Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey everybody, this is Stefan Goddick, and welcome to our monthly live uh, Finding Love Q&A call. I've got people live on the call with me, as well as... Uh, uh, email questions that were sent in previously and i got a bunch of email questions so we've got a lot to cover and for those who are on live uh you know if you have a question live i'll alternate back and forth between the email questions and your questions and if you like to talk to me if you have the option of either clicking on the button to raise your hand and then i'll call on you or you can type a message in the chat at any time and i can respond to that as well all right, so I'm going to go ahead and start with the first email question, and I can actually see that the person who sent in the question is is live with me. So I'm going to uh, unmute him and uh, read the question, then we will have a conversation. Hey there, can you hear me? Oh, hey, hey, Stefan. <laughs> hey there. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and start by reading your question, and uh, and then we can talk about it a bit. Um, and you actually sent me a bunch of questions, so I've uh, kind of mixed it. Uh, you know, I'll be interspersing other people's questions amongst your questions. Yeah. All right. So first question was, uh, I haven't had a single date for quite a while. I blame it on the meager opportunities I've come across here in Costa Rica. I don't feel this country is really aligning with my values enough, and I'm barely coming across attractive women where I live. So having the chance of more dates is the primary reason for why I'm intending to move to Spain, as well as some other reasons you listed. Uh, when I tell people about that, I sometimes get pushback that I find interesting. Are you trying hard enough to find dates where you are? Finding the ideal partner is, at the end of the day, not dependent on where you live. Uh, together with you convincingly arguing that finding your soulmate is not a numbers game, I'm wondering if I'm approaching this affair correctly. If finding your soulmate is indeed not a numbers game like so many want you to believe, can I not make do and succeed anywhere in the world? I know for sure that there are way more opportunities where I want to move to than where I am right now. Given that I'm going through the breakthrough program and have started the self-love program, I'm wondering if I'm missing something or if, whether listening to my heart, which wants to see me move away from here, is really the better move. So uh, I have two different kind of answers to that. Oh, you somehow got muted again. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I muted. I muted myself just because of the background noise. No. The background. It's actually very quiet. It's, it's, oh, the, you can't hear the background noise much. So, so I have two answers to that question. Um, the reasons you listed for moving, I think, are worthy of moving for its own right. You know, it sounds like you're finding Spain overall to be a more interesting country to live in. So for that reason alone, I think it's I think it's important to live in a place that feels good to you to live, separate from finding your soulmate, but also conducive to finding your soulmate in the sense that if you uh, are happier in a different country than the one you're in, 
you're going to be a happier person, right? And yeah. if you're a happier person, that will be helpful. Do I think it's possible to find your soulmate in Costa Rica? I do. You know, I live in a very small town area myself. And, uh, you know, when I was using dating sites to try and meet somebody, there was almost nobody in my local area. So I had to, I live in Western Massachusetts. So I was finding myself, you know, going on dates with women in Boston. It's a two hour drive away, which was my, my absolute limit of how far I was willing to, you know, date people. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating and annoying to have to, you know, find people that far away. And, and in fact, none of my dating of women in Boston or in Hartford, Connecticut, or, you know, any place else away from the area I live is actually very productive. And, you know, using the law of attraction, I met somebody in my little small town local area who was, who was great, right? I, I think I've said many times, I had 35 items on my partner vision list. And she was all 35 of those items. And she had 32 in hers and I was 31, 31 and a half of, of the 32 that she was looking for. So in my little small town local area, I was able to find what I was looking for. So I do feel like the law of attraction can help you find somebody anywhere. But, you know, the reasons that you give for wanting to move to Spain, I mean, I, I, I didn't read them, uh, are pretty compelling in themselves. So, you know, I think it's fine and good to move to an area that you would prefer living in. Mm. So for that reason, you know, I think it's great. You know, go ahead and move to Spain. But on the other hand, if, for instance, you thought, you know, I love living in Costa Rica. It's my ideal island paradise. Um, but it's hard for me to meet the women I want to meet here. I would say stay where you are. If you love living there, uh, you can find somebody there. That's why I have two different answers to that question. Right. Um, but you have a lot of other stuff. So let me let me do your next question is shorter. So I'm going to read that one and then. But, but for those of you who are on the call live, you know, if you want to answer or ask a question, just click on the button to raise your hand, and you don't have to wait for me to finish answering the current question. I'll I'll answer. You know, I'll call on you when when you're. Um, uh, when I'm finished with the question and the person who I was just talking to just left and come back. Okay. One of the things I've noticed about the systems is sometimes uh, people get dropped from the call and then they have to come back. Um, okay. I'm muting him again. All right. So let me just uh, ask this question. And again, I encourage people who are live in the call to raise their hand. Uh, your next question is, I would like to discuss the topic of love with you. Maybe it's best to observe that. Okay. Um, I think I have a different, different definition of love compared to most people. And I think this has consequences for the effectiveness of the EFT process, such as when saying I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself tends not to resonate with me as much when I'm tapping on issues where I believe it's most important. Um, so, and then your definition with love, which somehow I didn't copy into this email. Could you just say what it was again? Love is our involuntary response to virtue if we are virtuous. Okay. So different people have you know different definitions of what love means, and that's perfectly fine. Um, so 
you know, we have this phrase, I deeply, profoundly love and accept myself. Um, one of the things, and a lot of people actually struggle with that because they maybe are not feeling very loving and accepting of themselves around in general or around the topic they're trying to tap on, right? So there's a couple different options. The most, the most, the simplest option is to put in the beginning of the phrase, I want to, you know, even though blah, 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 I want to deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. Because lots of times that's true. Um, and, you know, even if I don't feel loving and accepting right now, I do want to feel that. And that works just as well. Um, sometimes people just find alternative phrases in general. So, for instance, even though whatever, I, you know, I choose to honor how hard this is for me. Or I choose to accept all these, all the feelings that I have or things like that. So it's, you know, that, that, that's a common stumbling block. And the solution is to find a phrase that you feel comfortable with. And uh, that usually works just as well as, as the original one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I recently found out how many variations there are to, to finish like this, um, what are they called? Setup statements? Yeah, the setup affirmation. That's right. Setup affirmations. I actually have one myself. I have a little video on YouTube that talks about uh, creative, uh, you know, setup affirmation statements. So uh, you know, people feel can free feel, feel free to watch that video to get other ideas as to what they can say for that part of it. All right. So I there's somebody else. Uh, well, actually, let's see. I'm gonna have an. I have another. Well, no, there's somebody else who's uh, live on the call. Raise their hand. So I'm gonna go ahead and call on that person. And I'll come back to you later. All right. Thank you. Sure. Okay. So uh, you're live on the call. What's What's your question? Okay. I. Sorry. You say that again. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you were talking to me. <laughs> My first yes, call. I was talking to you. Okay, great. Oh, great. Um, Welcome to your first call. That's wonderful. Thank you. So I'm just, I actually bought your programs a long time ago, and I've been uh, stuck and not, haven't started them, so I'm just about to start them. And uh, I guess I just wanted to say hello, and um, that I'm going to be starting with... Um, I believe one of the bonuses covers heartbreak. That's that's the stage I'm in, just like a heartbreak over a past relationship. And I feel like I need a lot of healing first before I would, you know, be ready to, to look for a new relationship. But that's you know, ultimately my goal. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to do the self-love uh, program. Um, uh -huh. And I guess I was just wondering, in general, like, um, do you also incorporate you know, healing from the heartbreak um, in your sessions and that sort of thing. Like, I, I don't know how to how to ask the question, but you know, what I, do you know what I mean? Is it covered in the in the live or the recorded live sessions in the program? Is what you're saying? Um, that and also like the the private work that you do. Is that something that you um, that you also focus on, or is it mostly once you're past that part? Oh, in my private work, I focus on everything. Oh, okay. So yes, I and that's uh, that's it, for some strange reason that never came up in the program. You know, so I, I ran the program three times and 
and the you know consists basically of the recordings of these three times I did the program live. Oh. And that's what that's what the program is, is a recordings, you know, recordings from those live programs. Um, now, live when I say live programs, I mean live group program, right? And then I do my one-on-one yeah. -on -one sessions with people. And for some strange reason, uh, the heartbreak over a past partner never came up. So we never got to work on it in those recordings. So there is a bonus by somebody else, not me, yeah. um, that you can use to work on that. Uh it's a pretty simple bonus though. It's just a, you know, just a one, a single recording to help people try and tap on that. Um, but that can be a major block. Absolutely. You know, if you have a, a, a sort of a traumatic past relationship, actually there's two different versions that can be really problematic. One is if it was, you know, super painful, traumatic past relationship, which can make you very gun shy and open your heart to a new person. But another type of attachment to a past relationship is where it's a, a a leftover positive attachment like this you know there was something that you know this you know there's a big love relationship that was good in many ways um but you know it didn't work out for some reason but i still feel like i'm in love with that person you know it's, it's almost like you know it's like a right person wrong time or something like that and part of me is still very attached to that person, then that can also prevent me from having my heart open to a new person. So either either one of those two can be a block. Um, and unfortunately, like I say, it wasn't part of any of the live sessions I did in the group programs that I recorded. So uh, what I would recommend, I, I, I recommend a couple things about that. One is, you know, try and use the bonus recording and see how much that helps. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you, you sort of said, I need to do that first. Well, if it's, well, let me just ask you, is this, is this a, a leftover pain or a leftover attachment situation? Oh, well, that uh, you described both of them perfectly. It's both. It was extremely painful. And, ex and also I've been in love with him. We've been together on and off over the course of 23 years. It's really embarrassing. I mean, I was with yeah. other people. I was married. You know, I was married. I have three kids with someone else. And yeah. then we got back together and blah, blah, blah. So it's, I felt like he was my soulmate and I'm still in love with him, even though he's treated me. And, but I know, I know his treatment of me is a result of his childhood wounds and he's starting therapy now. So <laughs> it gave me a little extra hope, but, uh, but I have to like face reality that, um, you know, I can't hold on to this. Or my whole life is going to pass me by. <laughs> but it's well, let me been ask really, another question. Really tough. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe someday, some some years from now, he'll come back and have healed all that stuff. So that is a possibility, I suppose. But I think it's, you know, it's right. To, you're right to move on. But let me ask you a question. In the painful things that he did, so you, you're, you know, having compassion, understanding that the ways, the painful things he did in your relationship were from his childhood. But my question for you is, are any of the painful things he did also from your childhood? Yes, absolutely. It's, I know from my childhood, it's that um, it reflected the way he treated me, that I wasn't important, that I was not a priority. And I know that came directly from my childhood, you know, with my parents. So. Okay, so I'm going to suggest something that's a different order than what, you th what you're thinking is the right order. Okay. What I would suggest you do um, is list all the things that he did that match your childhood experiences and i would start there rather oh, than start okay. on him mm -hmm. because the reason why uh these things were so impactful was because of the your original wounds from your childhood 
But you see, if he had, if you did not have those wounds from your childhood and he did those things, you would just find yourself feeling dissatisfied in the relationship. And you probably would have, would have ended it for those reasons. Right. Not, not from a place of wounding, but from a place of, you know, I don't need this. Right. But because it matched your own wounds, those things hooked you and triggered intense pain left over from your childhood. So if you heal those things using the program, you may find that you don't even have to deal with the stuff with him because you will have already taken mm. care of it. Interesting. So, but, so, but if you, so you don't so... do it, if you don't do it, you may find that it's really hard to heal what happened with him. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I've been stuck in for so long. Yeah. Um, so you're saying write those things down and then, and then use the self-love program, like tap on those. Things so are... the self-love program you want to do second uh, after the breakthrough program. Oh, do the breakthrough program first. Oh, yeah. Okay, I missed that part. Okay. So here's the thing. We all struggle with self-love to greater, lesser degrees. And that's because we didn't get enough, either enough love growing up or we had the kinds of painful experiences that really hurt our self-love. Right. And so to increase our self-love, there's two ways to do it. One is to heal the experiences that damaged our self-love. The other is to do processes that try and directly increase our self-love, which is what the self-love program is about. Mm -hmm. But the ones, the processes that try and increase our self-love tend not to work that well if we still have a, the original wounding unhealed that damaged our self-love. Yes. So if you start with the, the breakthrough program, which is all about healing the wounding, um, that will naturally increase your self-love, and then you can then augment that further by doing the self-love program, which will help take it to a higher level still. Oh, okay. I just had them reversed. I thought I thought the self-love was the healing and the and vice versa. Oh, okay, okay, wonderful. So that that makes sense. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad that I that I asked and that you. <laughs> yeah, you would have had it all backwards. <laughs> I would have had all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you okay, definitely want to do it in that in that order. Oh, okay, great. Thank you so much. So yeah, so I'd recommend you do the breakthrough program first, um, fully, and then check into this guy. And you may find that you no longer feel hooked by him anymore. And, and you don't even need to work on it. If you still need to work on it, <clears throat> you know, try doing the, the bonus program and see how much that helps. And if it doesn't, then contact me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and we can do it one-on-one -on -one to really clear it out fully. Okay, wonderful. That gives me some hope. This has been just torturing me for so long. <laughs> there, there's absolutely is hope. And okay. uh, I, I, I assure you, if we do it one on one, you'll clear it all out. You know, but if Thank you, you, but you know, you can start with the breakthrough program and you can clear a lot that way. And uh, just contact me if you need the final clearing. Okay. I will. Thank you. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right. So if you have any other questions during this call, feel free to raise your hand again. Okay. But I'm going to go to the next uh, email question. And just yes. Go back Thank you forth. so much. You're very welcome. All right. By the way, I'm a little stuffy because I'm getting over a cold. That's why you hear me snorting and <laughs> stuff like that. All right. And right, next question is uh, from a woman. 
And she wrote, my first question is that I have complex PTSD from a childhood of extreme, extreme neglect, abuse, and bullying that I feel gives an additional layer of complication to my dating life. As when triggers happen, my emotional reaction, be it fear or anger, is so overwhelming for my nervous system that frightens both me and the person I am dating. I've done so much work on myself these past five years, but still have extreme emotional overwhelm on rare but specific occasions. Because of the hurt I endured as a child, I am very protective of those I love. And if I or those I love are disrespected, insulted, or threatened in any way, I can turn into She-Hulk in a split second. I'm working hard on fixing this because it scares people, especially since I am such a docile and loving creature 95% of the time. I've addressed what memories I have of being abused and being bullied, and those memories don't grind my gears anymore. And yet, I still go to extreme anger when certain situations happen. I don't feel like I have any memories left to tap on. I know that complex PTSD means sustaining actual neurological damage, and that I'm, and I'll probably have to learn to live with and manage the symptoms and regulate my emotions the rest of my life. But do you have any advice for anyone like me who feels like they've tapped on every incident they can think of? Um, so let me just stop there. Um, yes. So if uh, you find that you still have extreme anger reactions to uh, situations uh, that remind you of when you were bullied and abused growing up. Even though you feel like you've already tapped on them and you don't feel like you have, you know, they don't grind your gears anymore, as you say. What happens a lot for people is that there's aspects of the situation that they're not addressing. And so that a memory they think is healed isn't actually healed. I'll, I'll give you an example. There was a, a woman who contacted me some years back, um, you know, for help with her love life. Because she had this uh, pattern of, you know, being attracted to certain kind of men, you know, you know, classic stuff that you guys were all working on the program. And uh, in a, in a, if I'm working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, the very first session, I, I do a detailed family history. So I understand the root causes of all their patterns, right? So I did that with her. And at the end of uh, the, uh, the, that first session, I said, well, this pattern you know, that you have with being attracted to men clearly comes from this thing with your dad. And she goes, yep, I already knew that. And I said, well, okay, so in our next session, let's tap on that, that memory. And she says, I've already healed that memory completely down to a zero with another EFT practitioner. And I said, all right, well, but do you still have the pattern? She goes, well, yes, I do. And so we, we went back and forth a while. I finally convinced her to work on that memory that she thought was completely healed down to a zero. And uh, when we started to work on it, I brought out an, an, an aspect of that experience that she had not worked on with that other EFT practitioner. And her memory that she thought was healed at a level zero to 10, as soon as we got into that, jumped up to an eight out of 10. The memory she thought was completely healed was actually not fully healed at all. There was a, a really big part of that memory that had not been addressed. So if that if those memories had been fully healed and then you encountered something that was similar to it, you wouldn't get this extreme anger response. And it's not because of neurological damage. It's because the memories haven't been fully healed. And for somebody who has a lot of traumatic memories, it's very hard to heal them just using the program because the program is not, you know, this is, you know, as I said earlier, this, these are recordings of group 
of a group program I did working with people in a group and uh, trying to heal traumatic abuse memories in that setting isn't really appropriate even and it's not very possible so I usually tell people that you know if you've got some traumatic experiences you're going to need some one-on-one -on -one work to address those because it's it's very hard to heal them uh, you know, in this inner working with recorded sessions, it, it's just, it's not going to fully address it. So unfortunately, uh, for, tra for trauma, uh, you need some one-on-one -on -one work. Having gone through the breakthrough program, though, you probably healed a lot of stuff to completion. It's just, it's just traumatic memories where, um, that's really hard to do. So the good news, though, is that it, it, it is completely possible to heal this stuff to completion so that when somebody is disrespectful or threatening or any of that, you're not going to get triggered into an extreme reaction. You might still, you know, stand up for yourself <laughs> if, if you need to, but it won't be a she-hulk kind of thing. It'll just be kind of like, hey, excuse me, not okay. But you won't, you won't have that overwhelming triggered response. When you have an overwhelmed, an overwhelming triggered response, that means that the healing is, is not complete. So, but again, as I say, it, it is completely possible to, to really heal that thoroughly and completely so that you don't have that response anymore. So, um, let's see. Uh, you said, you know, can EFT help me get to the bottom of this anger reaction? So I just answered that. So, yes. Um, and let's see if we have... Uh, any other? Yeah, there's an, there's another question. Uh, you said you're not seeing anything on the screen, but hearing my voice. Um, yes, because I'm not using video. This this is uh, an audio only, um, you know, Q and A call. Uh, though uh, you guys can actually use your video if you like. And if somebody uses their video, I'll turn my video on temporarily. But this was originally set up as audio only, and and then this service added video. Um, but by default, I don't use it, uh, video, but like I say, if you, if you turn on video, I'll turn on mine to answer your question. I'll turn it back off again. All right. So I just want to respond to that. So again, for those of you who are on live, you know, if you have more questions, feel free to raise your hand. And so I'm going to go ahead and answer the second question of this person. So she wrote, my second question is that I'm a lesbian who believes very much in God as the father of my soul and creator of the universe. Uh, not as source or energy, energy, not as source or energy or anything like that. I have a deep love for Jesus Christ and very much adhere to his message of unconditional love and forgiveness. Though extremely informed on most religions, I am not a follower of any, but live my life in what some people would consider a very moral way. And the closest thing I can be described as is a Christian lesbian, though there is no such thing uh, because of religion's rejection of homosexuality. I have found it very difficult, if not impossible, to find lesbian women who are interested in religion or this on the straight and narrow lifestyle in the same way I am. And uh, this is a very long question, so I'm going to I'm going to trim it down. But she basically describes her lifestyles like, for instance, I don't drink, I don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't sleep around and various other things. Right. So the basic uh, bottom line of this question is. Basically, how do I find somebody like that? Like, so, so kind of jumping towards the end of the question, I have a partner vision list that warms my heart when I read it, but rationally, it seems highly improbable. Uh, 
it's gotten drastically more difficult to meet people in person these past few years. And I'm not interested in meeting anyone online or anyone who doesn't live in my same town, which is small and with limited activities for non-drinkers. I've participated in activities that I love and, and still nothing. I can't seem to find this woman. Do you think the law of attraction is really strong enough to magnetize this unicorn to me despite all of these issues? I feel like I'm asking for a divine intervention at this point. I've tapped on this issue and I've gone from feeling despondent and sad about it to just accepting reality for what it is. Maybe I have another block. Question mark. So, oops, sorry. So I, I am a firm believer that you can find anything you want. Like I mentioned just earlier in this call that I had 35 things on my list and I encourage people to be ambitious, right? Uh, you know, unlike some dating coaches say, you know, pick your top five or, or maybe your top 10 things. I say, go for broke, list everything. Because you may be able to get every single thing you have on your list, like my wife and I did. And uh, other clients, I had a client who found a guy who, had, who matched 39 out of 40 things on her list. Um, including, you know, what you're looking for. You're looking for a, a woman who has similar values and, and lifestyle interests and things like that. Um, so I, I truly believe it is possible even in a small town area. The question is, is meeting this person. Um, you know, I mean, one of the ways I can prove that is possible is that if you exist, she exists. You are not a unicorn in this world. There are other women like you who are also lesbians, who also have similar values and similar religious beliefs and things like that. But it may be tricky finding them, finding her in a church or find, and, and there's going to be more than one, by the way, you know, finding her in a church as if, as you say, you know, since churches don't believe in that kind of thing. Uh, either they'll they will show up and you know in the closet per se, or they may not feel comfortable being there. So the you know the challenge is to find each other, and that's uh, what the law of attraction is best suited for. Is exactly that the law of attraction is a magnetizing force. Uh, you know, God and Jesus are going to support you in being happy. So. One of the things I'm noticing in your description is the sort of fatalism that you don't feel is possible. When you do the law of attraction, one of the whole things about it is your emotional energy as you put out to the universe what it is you're looking for. If you put it out with very positive, hopeful energy, then that's conducive to finding your partner. If you put it out with you know, pessimistic, feeling kind of hopeless and and that kind of stuff, you know, just feeling despondent, hopeless, or just, as you say, accepting reality for what it is. Accepting reality for what it is is a negative place, right? It's not a hopeful place. And that can, you know, remember, you're sending that energy out along with the things you're looking for, right? Because what we're sending out is what we are consciously aware of and what we're feeling underneath all that, which is either subconscious or you might even be conscious of the negative energy. But as long as you're sending out negative energy along with what you're wanting, you're not going to get positive, um, positive results. So it's really important to clear out that negative energy to a more hopeful place. Doing activities you love is is uh, my favorite way of meeting someone. But sometimes, uh, you know, the law of attraction, uh, if if is needed, you know, like to use the law of attraction in a powerful way is is needed. When you know what you're looking for is 
It's very specific. So one of the things to remember about the law of attraction is there's two factors. One is the stuff I was already saying, putting out what you're looking for with predominantly positive emotional energy. The other thing, though, is kind of a, a spiritual thing where the law of attraction is going to start magnetizing you and your partner towards each other. But sometimes it's you have to help the process by the law of attraction is going to um oh uh just quickly uh one person's just joining did you get to my question yet not yet so i'll get to that um there the law of attraction is going to help you get together but sometimes you have to do things out of the ordinary that the law of attraction is going to try and get you to do by by giving you subtle urges to do something out of the ordinary um, and you have to be receptive to and sensitive to those urges because lots of times they're going to feel a little odd, like it's going to want you to do something you wouldn't normally do. And it's easy to just either not even notice it or to dismiss it. So I, I'm going to give you an example from my own life is is actually my last girlfriend before my, my I met my wife. And I had just done one of my law of attraction exercises, and it was just like a couple of weeks later. I got this email invitation to attend a Valentine's Day dance um, from this sort of personal growth organization that I participate in. And as soon as I saw that, I immediately rejected it because I'm an avid partner dancer of 40 years. And there's no greater torture than attending a dance of, of, of non-dancers, <laughs> right? So I never go to those things. So I immediately deleted the email but and cleared my the trash <laughs> but as i was clearing the trash all of a sudden i heard this little voice in my head with the single word go but i'd already hit the delete key and the email was gone <laughs> but being a you know someone who uses the law of attraction a lot i recognized that this was the law of attraction trying to get me to go to a thing i would normally never go in my wildest dreams i would never attend a dance like that and then I and I thought, oh, dang it. You know, I, I deleted it. It's gone. And then the law of attraction voice said, no, don't worry. <laughs> and sure enough, a few days later, I got a second invitation to that same dance. And this time I decided to go. And I But I learned more details about it. And I found out the dance was in Boston, two hours away. And the only way I could attend this thing was, and it was at a hotel is I would have to stay at the hotel and it was a dinner. And the dinner was 60 bucks and the hotel was 140 bucks. So it was going to cost me $200 to attend a dance that I normally would never attend. And as I'm driving out to this dance, I'm thinking, you know what? If this thing's a bust, 200 bucks is, <laughs> is a lot of money to, to do this. On the other hand, if I meet somebody, I'll, you know, then $200 is nothing, right? And sure enough, there's a woman there who just stood out like a beacon. And you know, we, we got into a two-year relationship. Where I actually learned some really valuable lessons that I apply to my my marriage. So there was a reason why the law of attraction wanted me to meet her. Plus, interestingly enough, my wife to be uh, was in a two year relationship during the same two years I was with her, and we ended our relationships five days apart from each other. And then we met five days after we ended our relationship. Or sorry, not not five days apart. The same weekend, and so she she ended hers. Friday of that weekend, and I ended mine Sunday of that weekend. 
and then we met each other next Friday. So there's a lot of reasons why I needed to be in that relationship. But the law of attraction is a powerful thing, but you need to be sensitive to it. Be sensitive to any urges that uh, you're receiving from it and honoring them and acting on them. And that can be a little tricky because, like I say, it can it can want you to do something you would never normally do. Like sometimes you might be walking down the street and you'll see a flyer for some event and you you know you sort of scan it quickly and you go, oh, I, I don't like that. But then you feel this urge to go. You want to do it. There's somebody else who did the program and uh, she felt this urge to attend this bowling thing that she doesn't and she doesn't like bowling. But she went and there's this other guy who uh, he, he saw pictures, you know, saw people that were attending the event because it was through meetup.com. And uh, he also doesn't like bowling, but he felt this urge to go. And they were soulmates and they got married and the whole thing. So anyway, the law of attraction can work. You just have, you just have to really be sensitive to the urges and, and, and honor them. All righty. Um, let's see, moving on to uh, the person's question who said, did you answer my question yet? And, and here it is. Um, do you have any special tips for highly sensitive people, especially older women, and how to date more successfully? Online dating service, services haven't worked too well as they're time consuming and it's too easy to reject people based on one meeting. I, fare, I have fared uh, better with events like book clubs and senior lunches where I can get to know others more gradually over a period of time. Unfortunately, there's not many of these in my area. So what do you recommend, basically? Um, I I tend to agree about online dating. I mean, I have very mixed feelings about online dating. Um, I, I used it for years, and it's very time-consuming. And uh, and I, I only had two relationships. And I, I mean many years of online dating. I only had two relationships out of it, neither of which you know, went that far. Um, on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, the last statistics I saw, and this was years ago, but back when I was still using them, and I haven't used them in like 15 years now, um, the statistics were that, you know, of all the people getting married, 30% of the people getting married met through online dating sites. So uh, what I usually recommend to people is, <clears throat> you know, it's hard to, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> hard to overlook that possibility that 30% of people, you know, met their or spouse through online dating. So what I usually recommend is that use it, but don't make it your main thing. You know, decide how many hours a week you want to devote to it. I decided to devote five hours a week to online dating activities, including being on the website and going on dates and everything. I figured that was enough of an investment. And uh, I focus my more of my energy on other things, which is live in-person activities, like you were saying, you know, book clubs, senior lunches, all that kind of stuff. I, I agree with that. Um, my greatest recommendation is to find activities that you enjoy for their own sake, that you would be happy doing whether you meet somebody or not, but that it's a group activity and you have both genders there, right? So there's at least a possibility of meeting somebody. Uh, for me, it was partner dancing. You know, I love partner dancing, as I said, and I met almost all my girlfriends that way and I met my wife that way. Um, and I went, you know, I went every week. There was times that I went twice a week and, you know, I loved the activity and I was happy being there, whether I met anybody or not. So it was a, one of the really nice things about, you know, doing an activity you love doing 
is that first of all, you're enjoying yourself, good mood at the activity. That's good. That's conducive. Plus, all the other people are there because they also love that activity. So you already have a, something in common, just the fact that you both enjoy that same activity. So that's really good. Now, one of the cool things about the online world is that there's meetup.com. Meetup.com is a website. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, uh, the centers around people liking different activities. So meetups are these uh, groups on meetup.com centered around a given activity. And even in small town areas, you know, this is a very popular site with millions and millions and millions of members. And you can find, you know, a meetup group that that uh, matches your, your interests, you know, whatever your activity might be. Um, they also have singles meetups groups, but I, again, I don't like those as much as finding an activity because the only thing you have in common in singles meetup is that you're all single and you want to meet somebody. Whereas if you, if you find an activity that you really enjoy, like in my case, dancing, but it could be whatever, um, you know, then you're meeting because you all enjoy that activity. And that's a great point of connection. And over time, you'll you'll find out who's single, and you know as you get to know people and stuff. So, anyway, I, I like that better. So that's what I would recommend: is uh, joinmeetup.com. Think about activities that you enjoy doing that could be done in a group setting, that could be done by both genders, and just start searching for those activities at meetup.com, and you're uh, .com, and you're very likely to uh, find them. And the really cool thing is, at least last time I used meetup.com, it's free to join it and free to participate in activities the people who pay are the ones who start the groups within meetup.com uh, so you don't need to start your own group you just join groups that other people started and it's free and it's great now they may have added a small fee to do that these days but i don't know but it's probably less than a dating site uh so that's that's what i'd recommend so if you have any further questions about it i know you're online because you, you texted me uh I don't know if you're still on, but if you're still on, either you know follow up with another text or raise your hand if you can do that, and I'll call you that way. All right. Let's see. Okay, so now we got. To, I'm going to bring up to the person who's online. Oh, enjoy. Question. Okay, you said today something interesting happened, and then I came across an attractive woman riding the bike in the city. I have been doing the tapping of the fearless dating program for a number of weeks now, and I rated the fear rejection rejection at the beginning of the tap. It is mostly a two, and afterwards a one or a two. I don't feel like I'm afraid of my ideal partner standing in front of me with open arms and a smile on her face. I find that a, I find that a beautiful thought, and no immediate fear is com coming up. If she is my quote ideal partner, she won't reject me anyway and will be excited by me. This is by definition, since my partner vision clues that she finds me amazing and is excited by me, therefore she would not turn me down. I can tell from the woman today is that she was confident, relaxed, and feminine. I did write past her a second time and said hello to her. And although I didn't I don't know her true level of interest in me, she at least seemed seemed to have looked at me. I feel curious about her, and I definitely found her intriguing, yet I chose not to talk to her out of what feels like fear. I truly didn't feel afraid of rejection based on the evaluation of the tapping sessions, viewing possible disinterest as a mere mismatch, and why would I feel so much anxiety when I see an attractive woman and not talk to her? I do feel like I have a good excuse not to approach women where I live, given that I 
will move country in a month from now. Yet, I truly felt it wasn't right to get to know women right now and right here. I don't understand why I feel this level of anxiety and inner conflict. What are your thoughts? So, one of the things that you came up for you is a mind trick that messes us up. Because you said something that is logically correct, but it, it overrides you getting in touch with your true feelings. You said, mm -hmm. if it truly is my soulmate, or my ideal partner, then of course she won't reject me. Okay, that's your mind talking, and and sure, that's true, but it doesn't address whatever fears you actually have going on inside of you. Right, it's it's kind of your mind talking yourself out of thinking there should be any fear, rather than being in touch with the fear. What you discovered is that there there's still some a fear or fears that are that are not addressed yet, because as you imagine. You know, actually talking to her and having a conversation with her, you felt anxious, you felt scared. So what that means is that there is still something unhealed that you are scared of. And you don't want to try and use logic to talk yourself out of it because clearly it doesn't work, right? <laughs> if that mm -hmm. was, you would have just confidently walked up to her and started talking to her. So I would encourage you <clears throat> to do two things. One, Next time it happens, stop right then and there and see if you can get in touch with what the fear is about. Because uh, without knowing what the fear is about, you're not, you don't know what you need to heal still. And lots of times when we try and just kind of imagine things in the abstract. So, I mean, one of the things that's, that messes up that, that exercise is to think what you thought. And if I imagine, so you, you said, I imagine if she's my ideal partner, then she won't reject me. Um, the exercise is not actually imagining she's your ideal partner in that sense. You're imagining she has everything you're looking for in a partner. Now, I know you wrote down your partner vision that she thinks you're amazing and stuff like that, but we don't want to make it quite that complete. We just want to imagine that she has everything you're looking for in a partner and then see what comes up. But even doing that exercise is still abstract. You're just sort of imagining the possibility of meeting someone who has everything you're looking for. The proof of the pudding is when you meet somebody that you actually find really interesting. So, you know, in real life, right in front of you. And, you know, lots of times you can get in touch with a bunch of fears just thinking about it abstractly, but you're not necessarily going to get in touch with all of them until you encounter somebody in real life, which is what exactly what happened to you. Right. So, so you can do two things here. One is the thing I just said, you know, stop and just see if you can get in touch with what is it you're finding scary or making you anxious in the moment. It could be one thing. It could be more than one thing. The other thing you could do is, uh, especially since you're going to be moving countries anyway, so the risks are lower, is just practice doing it. And one of the ways to overcome fear is to tap on those fears. Another way to overcome fear is to face your fear and do it anyway. I have a, a fun story from my stepbrother who uh, written a bunch of books. And in one of his books, he talks about when he was in college, um, he was terrified of approaching women to ask them for dates. So he decided to do this uh, this thing where he gave his friend a hundred bucks, which in college was a lot of money for him at the time. And he said, don't give me back this hundred bucks until I have uh, approached and been rejected by 10 women. His goal was to get over his fear of being rejected. So the first woman he approached and he, and he, and he promised himself he would only approach women that he was really interested in, right? Not just do it for the hell of it. So he, he, he was in this sort of student, uh, uh, well, whatever, anyway, this area, this plaza with a bunch of people. 
And he approached the first woman that he found really interesting. And he went up to her. He forced himself to go up and talk to her. And he was literally sweating and, uh, you know, super anxious. And and as he's trying to talk to her, he's like stumbling over his words. And da, da, da. he finally got it out. And uh, she was nice about it. Right? She goes, well, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate the compliment. But, you know, I have a boyfriend and, you know, you know, so whatever. She, she probably didn't have a boyfriend. She's probably just trying to, you know, turn him down nicely. But, you know, he survived. And uh, and he got it. He got he survived, basically. Right. So he uh, took a little recovery time and then he approached the second woman. And when he approached her, he was still anxious, but he, it wasn't quite so intense. And she turned him down, too. And he survived. And and he realized that, you know, as scared as he was of the possibility of being rejected and turned down, it wasn't quite as devastating as he was afraid it was going to be. It was getting better. And after the fifth woman who rejected him, he went up to the sixth and he was quite relaxed. And he wasn't really worried about it anymore. He was just trying to get through the 10 so he can get his $100 back. And uh, he was ex expecting to be rejected by the sixth woman. And to his surprise, she said, sure. Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be happy to go on a date with you. And, he, and she gave him his number. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> really surprised, right? <laughs> and then he continued... And he started having a hard time getting saying getting no's. You know, a lot of the women he was reproaching were saying yes to him. And he, in his story, uh, he said, you know, after a while, he had to try and act weird to get no's because he was so relaxed and comfortable. Now, he embellishes things, so I don't know how, how true every element of that story is, but basically, you know, he, I'm sure he did do it. You know, did the thing, and he got to a place where he felt much more comfortable. That's another thing you can do is just do it and to practice being approaching people and to get yourself more comfortable. And, you know, in between you can tap and um, help get comfortable more quickly. But, so I would do those two things, you know, get in touch with what your fears are, tap on those fears in the program. Um, and also just practice approaching women until it gets to be a more comfortable thing. Right. How's that yeah, you know, um, it's just um, what fascinates me a little bit is that um, there's there's I'm quite foggy around like this fear and you know because we we talked before um, recently you 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 already mentioned like these things and I already started like taking note of the the fears and limiting beliefs around it, uh -huh. um, but. I haven't really gotten far with them and I haven't really tried hard. So I have, I don't know what it is, whether it's like a genuine distrust in the process or whether it's actually like more resistance because this is getting to the core of it. It could totally be that interestingly enough, like um, this feels so much greater than, than anything that I've come up, uh, come up to before. Um, yeah, it could be getting to the core of it. You're exactly right. And it may be why it's been hard for you to be in touch with it before. Yeah. It's, it's like it's such a big fear. You know, so far, this fear is big enough that it's stopping you from even talking to anybody. You know, talking to the kind of woman you really want to talk to. So, exactly. So, yeah, uh, it could very well be a big one. Um, and it can be hard sometimes to get in touch with everything. Uh, as I said, abstractly, I had a client where we worked out together one-on-one. 
and we did the you know we did all these processes and we got this you know big list of fears big list of negative beliefs and da, da, da. we worked we worked through all of them and then we repeated the exercise again and uh, got in touch with one or two more clear those repeat exercise again couldn't get in touch with anything new so i thought okay we're done yay you know go off and date so she went off and six months later she came back and she says nothing's happening i'm not getting i'm not you know I'm not meeting anybody nothing but we started exploring things and we got in touch with a level nine uh negative belief that no matter how hard we had tried before we couldn't get in touch with it so we healed that and i said this time don't wait six months if nothing happens so she went back out again and three months later she came back and she goes nothing's happening again and so we we kind of dug around and sure enough we got in touch with another nine out of ten thing so sometimes that happens and so you just you know if once you clear it all then you're going to find yourself being comfortable and relaxed so if you're not yet then you know that you just haven't uncovered everything that you need to heal um it's actually a little easy in your case because you you notice that when you think of talking to some woman you feel the anxiety come up so it's it's not hard for you to get in touch with the feelings getting in touch with what they're about is apparently more challenging but the feelings are there yeah. um, with her she wasn't even in touch with them until we did a session together so that's harder for her right so for, for you you're in touch with them so just really you know like bring it up on purpose you know go out in public sit around at a cafe see a woman that you find really interesting and stand up and start walking towards her feel the fear rise up in you <laughs> right? right and then sit back down and if it's not one of your practice sessions just sit back down and feel stay with that fear just stay with it stay with it stay with it and eventually sometimes what you all need to do is just feel the fear in your body and just be open to something emerging like don't even try to figure it out necessarily just sit with it and be open to it what the, the source of the fear is to just kind of emerge into your awareness um and that can do it but it's a clear sign that there's something that needs to be healed here you know, otherwise you wouldn't be scared for sure mm -hmm. so would you consider it like kind of understanding the real cause of it particularly important or it's it's critically important though you just reminded me there is one other way to try and get in touch with the source of the fear is that sometimes you can just tap on the feeling of the the fear feelings that you have in the moment so again it'd be the same as what i said but instead of just simply sitting there and waiting for you know keeping your attention on your your the fear and the your, your bodily experience of it and just waiting for the source to come into your head the other thing you can do is just tap on the while you're doing that and that sometimes that helps the the, the source of the fear emerge more easily so that's the other option as well but you need to get in touch with the source of the fear so otherwise it's not gonna i do okay. be able to heal it yeah hmm. but but trying to just to tap on it without knowing the source like i said won't necessarily clear out the fear but it may bring out the source into your awareness so that's the other hmm. way you can do it it's a little difficult to do in public. Um, well, you can use uh, fingertip tapping. Mm -hmm. You know what fingertip tapping is? I've heard of it. I would have to research it a little. Uh, I have two videos on it on mm -hmm. YouTube. One is called How to Tap in Public Without Looking Crazy. And the other was a COVID-related one, How to Tap Without Touching Your Face. So. 
Um, so check that out. So you can just do fingertip tapping, which is something you can easily hide and nobody will know you're doing it. Cool. Right. Okay. That, that gives me something. Uh, like I, 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 I'm afraid of doing all of this and, and dealing with this. It's like, an, it's like a nuisance. Uh, which is kind of suggesting to me that this is like, ah, <laughs> which getting... deeper than this being a nuisance. Yeah. If it <laughs> oh, feels like is... a nuisance, then you know that, ah, uh, uh, no, 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 there's something going on. <laughs> <laughs> but it also may mean that it's hard for you to face on your own. Exactly. That's, so, yeah. yeah, we may have to do a session on it. Yeah, we'll keep in touch on that. All right. All right. Guys, have a couple minutes left. There's another question pending. So let me uh, get to that. All right. So I'll talk to you later. Thank you. you. You're welcome. All right. So this here's a chat question. Uh, okay. How long should I keep trying to strike up a conversation with a person who doesn't seem to be interested in me? If I find someone very attractive, then it would haunt me if I thought I hadn't given it my all in terms of trying to make contact and get someone interested. But I don't. But I don't want a, a woman to feel like I'm stalking her or anything like that. Um, so I guess the question is if she's ex expressed a disinterest or just doesn't seem that interested. So if she's kind of made it clear, like, Hey buddy, I'm not interested, then you don't want to push it. Right. If it's a woman that is in your orbit, so you see her periodically, right? It's not like you have to seek her out and, you know, like you say, stalk her or something like that. Uh, you, I think it's okay to, you know, make contact in the sense of uh, <clears throat> talking about what's, you know, well, see, it, it would help if I had a little bit more context. Um, so, for instance, let me let me create a context and <laughs> just talk about it from there. Let's say this is a, you know, one of those meetup groups, right, where you guys are going every. You know, to the various group activities in the media group and you talk to her and she doesn't seem that interested. Um, as long as you keep it casual, you keep it light. And I think it's okay to keep, uh, you know, talking periodically to her um, un un until and unless she, she gives you a strong indication that she doesn't appreciate you doing that, <laughs> right? If you start to get the, the sense that she's really like I say, disinterested versus just not interested. But I think it's okay to keep making contact uh, as long as, like I say, she's not expressing strong disinterest. Um, sometimes people come around over time. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, but yeah, I, I, what would help is if there's a reason to talk to her rather than simply, I'm trying to get you to like me, right? So like you say, if you're in a, you know, a group thing where you're seeing each other regularly, uh, you know, you could ask her a question about something. You can ask, like, uh, people like giving their opinions about things. Uh, you know, if I was a single guy now, which I'm, you know, happy I'm not, and I don't intend to be ever, but if I was, uh, the way I would uh, strike up a conversation with somebody that I didn't know would be to ask their opinion. People like giving their opinions. It does, and it feels safe. It doesn't feel like a come on. It doesn't feel like trying to hit on the person or something like that. So uh, asking an opinion about something is a, a nice, neutral, but interesting way to uh, start a conversation and and 
you know, make contact and have have a connection. Especially if it's an interesting topic and it might lead to, you know, ongoing, continuing conversation. But you just go up to her and just say, hey, can I get your opinion about something? And she, she might very well go, um, sure, right? If she looks at you suspiciously, like goes, yeah, well, like what? <laughs> you know, if she seems like she doesn't want to talk to you, or she might even say no, I'd rather not, or something like that, then you're getting a clear message that she doesn't want you to keep talking to her. But if she goes, um, yeah, sure, you know, like, okay, sure, I'll give you my opinion about them, you know, then you know that she's still open to talking to you. So that's actually a good way to test test the waters, as come to think of it. And uh, try to have something in mind that's relevant to the setting or you know it's that's a you know it's a fun topic that's not too weird or whatever and it's not about dating um though it could be a woman's viewpoint on a certain topic that's something uh i'll give you a fun little story that i did accidentally <laughs> i was at a clothing store with my father who wanted to buy me a leather jacket um, and he had very conservative tastes that I don't have. So we we narrowed it down to two jackets, one that he liked that was very conservative and one that I liked that wasn't. We were arguing about it. And while we were arguing, this very attractive woman walked by me and I called out to her. I said, excuse me a sec, can I get your opinion about something? And she said, sure, because again, people like giving their opinion. So I held up these two leather jackets. I said, could you give me an opinion on these two leather jackets? You know, uh, and I'll try them on for you. So I tried on my dad's jacket first, and then I tried on the one I liked first, the second. And then uh, I said, which one do you like better? And she said, you know, the one that I like, basically. And I said, thank you. And she seemed to be enjoying herself. She enjoyed the fact that I was getting enjoying her opinion and stuff. And even though she was this very attractive woman who probably gets hit on a lot by guys, she didn't feel that way with me. And she was enjoying the whole interaction. And at the end of it, I just said, you know, thank you very much. And she said, you're very welcome. And she was smiling and, and walked away. <laughs> and then I looked at my dad. I went, see? And he goes, okay, can't argue with that. And then I got that jacket. But it was people like giving their opinion. So it's, it's a really nice way to, to talk to somebody you don't know in a way that is fun. So that's what I recommend as actually in general, how to approach somebody new. And also I think it would be a good way to find out how she feels about talking to you in general. Because if she's getting turned off by your attention, she's gonna have a negative reaction. If she's open to talking to you, she'll have a, you know, at least a reasonably positive reaction. Like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give you my opinion about something. Alrighty, all right, this is a really cool call. We had lots of, lots of questions going. So that's it for uh, this month's call. And uh, I will uh, see you guys on the uh, next live call. All right. Keep tapping, everybody, and see you next month. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.